everybody. This is Hop Culture. We're the Hopkins sisters, Claire, Grace, Anne, and Tess, four sisters living in different time zones, recapping our lives, giving each other unsolicited advice, and hopefully giving you a laugh in the process. Who knows, if you stick around, we might even touch on something substantial along the way. everybody. Hey. hey. This is episode 119 of Hop Culture. Thank you so, so much for tuning in today. Um, first of all, I think we need to just kind of address the elephant in the room. Um, I actually wrote in the script, we need to get the elephant out of the room. I've never <laughs> heard of that in my life. I don't know. Get him out of there. Why, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I changed on the fly. Um, but either way, there's an elephant and it is that we have ads on our episodes now and we've gotten a few, um, you know, text messages where, you know, wow, ads, we did, (laughs) we feel like we need to like address them. Um, so those are from the hosting platform for our podcast. We enabled ads a while ago, not really knowing like what would happen. And they didn't like notify us or anything. I don't know if we reached like a certain threshold of downloads or something. Um, but we just had friends be like, well, you have ads. And I was like, we do. So those are um, like the platform is selecting those and they're like tailoring them to like your location and, you know, stuff like that. So thank you for being patient with us as we kind of figure this out. And I know ads aren't like everyone's favorite. Um, well, they're nobody's favorite. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but um, it is kind of exciting to figure this out. We're not making a lot of them yet or anything. <laughs> we made several things. Yes. Uh, we, the payoff for the amount that it probably annoys people. Exactly. So maybe we're not we're navigating it, it. We're figuring it out. We're fine-tuning things. So thank you for being patient with us while we kind of like figure it out. If anyone has a connection to a company that wants us to write, you know, a personalized host red ad for them, we would be more than happy to take the random ones off the episode. Mm-hmm. So just let us know. And on that topic, we have more bad news um, on the topic of bad mm-hmm. news. Sorry. Yeah, we're bad Not news bears today. Ads. Uh, we're going to be taking a break for a couple weeks after this episode. We're all going to be traveling for the next few weeks. And we just decided that it's going to be hard to coordinate schedules and try to pack recording equipment. So we're going to take a little pause, but we will be back and we'll have a lot of content and escapades to cover when that happens. So we know it's a a busy time and lots of people traveling, so maybe you guys won't even miss us. So we said bad news. Maybe it's just non-news at Mm -hmm. all. It's better to (laughs) overhype how bad something's going to be and then people will be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, exactly. We're just buckle up. We're so sorry. So the subject of taking breaks kind of transitions us nicely into our topic today. When we first started the podcast, we were really afraid of ever taking a week off because we had read that consistency is key for building a listenership, and that definitely does seem to be the case, but we were mostly worried that if we took breaks, we'd totally fall apart altogether. It came from a place of fearing a lack of control. We realized, though, that this was just unrealistic and unsustainable, and that it was stopping us from creating something that we really love to do. Some of that fear was rational, though, because we did 
give ourselves a little break in 2020 and we end up taking an entire year off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we almost quit entirely. So it was actually, we weren't Yeah, we, we did feel like we needed the structure of having to release something every single week. Mm-hmm. But more than just the fear of taking a break, the in the dark ages of the pod, pretty much everything was linked to sort of this idea of failure because we would psych ourselves out so much over every episode idea and everything that we would say. We just there was like so much anxiety around everything um, that we just didn't want to do it. Yeah, it was kind of miserable. <laughs> yeah, we'd be like, we just couldn't talk normal, mm-hmm. and everything was so mm-hmm. overthought that yeah, it was it was so stressful. We were trying to make it like perfect but we ended up with something worse than just sort of like being like okay so we're glad we pushed through um because (laughs) obviously every episode is not a 10 out of 10 and you know we're not perfect at it but we're having a lot of fun and we never have created things like the taco bell episode otherwise yeah i mean some of our greatest works would have never come to fruition if we (laughs) had like (laughs) been afraid to fail as they say Shoot for the stars. No, shoot for the moon. <laughs> even if you miss, you'll land among the stars, right? I wasn't even planning on quoting mm-hmm. that today, and it just fit right in perfectly. Um, <laughs> so today we are going to talk about perfectionism and just how the fear of not measuring up to our own standards can hold us back in life. And um, we just wanted to acknowledge that there are like actual mental health conditions like OCD and anxiety that are really interwoven with perfectionism. And obviously, we're not professionals or qualified to talk about mental health and kind of dive into that on like a serious level. So this is just kind of talking about our own experiences with perfectionism and how it shows up for us. But we know it can be like really crippling and miserable for some people. And we just want to acknowledge like how serious perfectionism can be. Yeah, please don't let our our just whimsies and and (laughs) our our thoughts make you feel even worse yeah exactly (laughs) our whimsies are just for entertainment (laughs) purposes why do we have to i like i'm full of whimsy i (laughs) like i like whimsies i know there's a word i'm searching for and it's not (laughs) is it um is it musings (laughs) it's probably whims It's a oh, whim it's and amusing. A, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, I meant to say our whims and our amusing. Those were exactly the words I was searching for. Um, but I think it would be good to start out with some simple definitions. So goodtherapy.com defines perfectionism as the need to be or appear to be perfect or even to believe that it's possible to achieve perfection. Brene Brown wrote... The gifts of imperfection. Let go of who you're supposed to be and embrace who you really are. And she said, perfectionism is a self-destructive and addictive belief system that fuels this primary thought. If I look perfect and do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the painful feelings of blame, judgment, and shame. Um, so those definitions are interesting to me. So I actually read Brene Brown's book like a long time ago. Um, to be honest, I don't remember a ton about it. I remember really liking it. The main thing I remember from that book was she talked about hustling for worthiness. And I've always remembered that phrase. (laughs) It like really stuck with me. I think we've even referred to that on like previous episodes. Um, but I thought those definitions were interesting just because like 
The first one feels a little more neutral. And then the second one feels really negative, like perfectionism has a really negative effect and connotation in that one. Um, and what I think is interesting is I feel like the idea of perfectionism or being a perfectionist has kind of been portrayed like both positively and negatively over the years. And but I've so I've heard it as like, yeah, like an actual like crippling issue that holds people back and like makes people miserable and feel shame. But then I've also kind of heard people describe themselves as, as a perfectionist almost like patting themselves on the back a little bit, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, I'm a perfectionist, so I just have to leave my house like perfectly clean before I go to bed t- at night or, you know, oh, you know, I just, I go all out for birthdays. I'm just kind of a perfectionist, you know, which like if you've said that, I have no judgment. I'm sure I've said stuff like that too. But like I've heard it kind of used as like, well, I'm a perfectionist, so everything I do is amazing, you know, and I'm kind of like, so is it a good thing? Or a bad thing? Like, when you guys Mm -hmm. think about perfectionism or hear it, like, what do you – what, like, associations do you have with the term? Well, I think a lot of people – I've also heard it used pretending to be negative but still still as a brag. Like a backdoor brag. Yeah. Yeah, like, just sort of like, like, uh, it's really hard for me because I'm a – it's it's sort of one of those things that feels a little bit like – yeah, there's there's certain health things that are good to be unhealthy at. Like, oh, I just, you know, I don't get a lot of sleep mm-hmm. is one mm-hmm. of those, like, sort of an admirable bad health thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas, like, I'm overweight. People are like, that's awful. Why would, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's like yeah. <laughs> both are affecting your, you know, lifespan probably in similar ways and affecting other people like very little. Actually, <laughs> losing having a lack of sleep is probably negatively affecting the people around you quite a bit yeah. more. But yeah. one of them is sort of like, oh, you're a good person. And one of them is like, oh, you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. It's so and true. And this is sort of Very maybe a, a mental health thing where like a perfectionism is like a good person mental health problem. And like other ones are like <laughs> yeah. a bad person one. Totally. But I've also, I mean, I think that other people approach it with a lot more like realistic mindset. But- it is one of those ones that gets thrown around, I think, inaccurately, and they do just mean, like, I have really high standards for myself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I don't want to change that, and I like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think I'm better. Sometimes I feel jealous of people who would describe themselves as perfectionists because I wish that I had that motivation to, like, <laughs> do a better job on things and, like, try harder. Um but I also think of it as a bad thing when it's like, uh, as someone who is maybe, I think I'm a, a perfectionist in the bad way, which would be like, I hate to fail at things, like, mm-hmm. and I want to be like unrealistically good at something if I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's exactly what I was gonna say. But I, I don't know. I, I do think there is a problem with perfectionism because like if you have really, really high standards for yourself that are unattainable, you probably have them for other people. Mm -hmm. And as someone who is typically like not the perfectionist, it can be very frustrating to work with a perfectionist or like live with a perfectionist when they have these like irrationally high standards 
that you know are unattainable and they're mad at you because like you're not doing Mm -hmm. what they think you should do and and they're like well that's the standard i hold for myself and it's the standard i hold for everyone else and it's like well that's (laughs) not really fair so yeah Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I wish I were more that way sometimes, but also sometimes I'm like, okay, maybe it's maybe it's okay not. <laughs> yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. yeah, good. Um, and Tess, I know that Tess was saying she agreed with Anne, so maybe that I'm going to go into the next section. I think that this will sort of apply. Is that as we were reading about it, it seems like people are a lot of times are not you know purely a perfectionist or not a perfectionist. We have areas in our lives where these tendencies rear their heads and maybe there's sort of like a spectrum of it. So if we're working off of Brene Brown's definition, like Tess, what would you say are some areas that you felt like this has been an issue for you? Well, very similar to Anne. I feel like I always tell people like, oh, I'm not a perfectionist. Like when when people say stuff like that to me where they're like, oh, you know, I'm a perfectionist. So like, Everything always has to be clean. I'm always like, oh, I'm, I wish I was like that, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like I'm like, I couldn't be less of a perfectionist. But when it comes, I think I am a perfectionist in the crippling sense where <laughs> yeah. like, any hobby that I have, I just like abandon because I'm just like, oh, I'm not, I'll never be like, instruments are really hard for me for some mm-hmm. reason. Like I, me too put so much pressure on like if I'm not a virtuoso I'm nothing and so there's not even a point in playing piano you know like and it's like nobody like very few people get to that point you can play for enjoyment people have told me this a million times Luke keeps telling me this and he made me promise if I bought a cello this had to be (laughs) Like, we had a very serious conversation about, like, Good luck. if you buy this cello, like, you cannot turn this into a thing where you, it makes you feel bad about yourself because you do this with every other hobby. So How, how's I it going that, so far? Well, so far I haven't really started. I started one lesson, but the guy was too quirky and I didn't enjoy that. So I haven't technically started lessons. So right now I'm still fiddling around. <laughs> well, so far, so good. I'll let you know. I was just telling mom, I was like, I wish I had Tessa's guts because like, I won't even, I wouldn't even buy the cello, you know, like, <laughs> I'm like, I want to learn to drum, but am I going to buy anything? Am I going to take any steps toward that? No, because I already know that I'm not going to like being bad at it at first. And <laughs> mm-hmm. so I won't even try. So I admire you for even buying the challenge. Yeah, I know we all tease you about like <laughs> your steps in the right dir- direction. Your whimsies, you know, we we tease. But like, <laughs> I do have a lot of It whimsies. is a really good quality because I do think that mm-hmm. being unafraid to try, I don't know, I think sometimes people get branded as like, flighty or oh they're always changing their mind about things but it's like well at least they're trying something new you know like the rest mm-hmm. of us are just mm-hmm. judging and like standing around yeah, that's you pretty, know that's very true. brave yeah and i will say like i don't know if everyone feels this way but i feel like the longer i've been going with something the harder i am on myself and so sometimes starting new things is what I need mm-hmm. because I I need something where I'm like, I've only been playing, you know, for a month. 
instead of the piano where I'm like, I've been playing mm-hmm. for like since I was like six years. Totally. Old, so I should be better. You know, like and so I think sometimes it's kind of freeing to have like a few hobbies where you can be gentle with yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> because it kind of teaches you I don't know. It's nice to have a release where I feel no pressure to mm-hmm. be totally anything. Yeah, I think something that has sort of come with age is realizing the things that I inherently like to do, whether I'm good at them or not, and the things, some things that I'm like, I I want to be seen as good at this. Mm, like, true. Like, fishing. <laughs> I've talked about fishing before, how you, you think, you know, some people are good at fishing, but you don't realize that some people could be, I never realized someone could be truly bad at fishing <laughs> until I started it. I thought it was just like you had to find a good spot and that was like all that was yeah, really no, to it. There's, <laughs> yeah. there is, there's some luck involved, but there's skill involved and I am truly so bad at it. And it's one of my favorite hobbies. Like, like I love biking, but I'm so slow. I can't go very far. You know, like, and I also have been playing golf lately and I'm so bad. Like all the time I have to just write like a little frowny face on the scorecard because <laughs> I've lost I've lost count. I've gone over 10 and I can't keep track anymore. But those are things that I really like to do even when I'm bad at them. Whereas there are some things like Tess was saying, instruments for me. I like playing instruments, but I get to a point where I'm frustrated that I'm not like the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. There's too much comparison for some mm-hmm. reason. Because it's the one that people admire, I think, maybe. That's true. Yeah, that's something that I have sort of started leaning towards is like things that I know that I like to do, even if I never get measurably better at them. Totally. So how do you guys feel like perfectionism holds you back? Um, I know we've talked about this in the past, and this was an example that was used in a, like a couple of the articles that we're going to refer to in the podcast. But I feel like for me, a big way – like. I liked Brene Brown's definition of perfectionism because I feel like I relate to it a lot more. Like, I'm the same as you, Tess. Like, I kind of almost take pride in being like, I'm not a perfectionist. Like, in fact, actually, it's kind of like a family joke that I'm – that I do things, like, quickly and badly. Yeah. My (laughs) – our mom always called the way I do things slapdash. Like, I'm just, like, kind of quick and just, like, uh, like, I just want to get it done. Um, And, I mean, it was, like, a loving joke. I enjoyed it. That was even the name of my my blog back in the day. Um, So I've always sort of identified as, like, oh, I don't – I'm not a perfectionist. Like, I don't – I, you know, I just get things done. Like, I would rather just get a, be able to get a lot of things done well than, like, do one thing perfectly, you know? Um, but I like what Brene Brown brought up. I, I feel weird calling her Brene because she's a Dr. Brene Brown. But I never hear her <laughs> referred to as Dr. Brown, so I feel like I just have to, like, keep saying mm-hmm. Brene Brown. <laughs> I like how she mentioned, like, shame and judgment. And that is what her definition really emphasizes is like perfectionism is really more about living up to what you perceive other people's expectations to be and trying to guard yourself from like other people. And it's less about disappointing yourself and more about like a fear of disappointing others. And that is like really relatable for me. I feel like stressing over like 
well, this person thinks I should be doing this better. And this person thinks I should be doing this better. Or this person misunderstood my intentions. Like I'm always afraid of like not living up to other people's like moral expectations of me, like Mm -hmm. in whether it be like in social situations, like saying the wrong thing or accidentally offending someone or doing something and then being like, wait, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Like that is an area that I really struggle Mm -hmm. with perfectionism, I feel like. And the truth of the matter is like you will never please everybody unfortunately. Like you just want, and I know that's so cliche, but it's just, it is so completely exhausting to focus on trying to live up to like what everyone wants you to do at all times when everyone doesn't have the full story for one thing of like your motivations, the circumstances, you know, it's just like, unless someone had like a full picture of your brain at all times, there's no way they could fully understand like what's motivating every choice you ever make. So it's just, it's just kind of a hamster wheel of like frustration when you're just like constantly <laughs> like stressing over, oh, I'm disappointing, you know, everyone around me in different ways. And I feel like it's just really like emotionally exhausting kind of to live like that. Um, Sorry if that's too dark, but that's how I no. feel like that's a, that's <laughs> it's not so much that I'm like, oh, you know, I have to be like the best at everything. It's more just like, oh, I don't want to let anyone down. You know, it was more kind of like how I struggle with it. Mm-hmm. In one of the articles that we read, it was talking about how procrastination and perfectionism are kind of they can they can be linked because like if you want to be like do a perfect job of something that can be really daunting. And so you choose to like do something else that's like less threatening Mm -hmm. that you feel more confident about. And I feel like that is true for me, especially when it comes to like household tasks or something. I'm like, well, I want, I, I want to do that, but I want to wait until like I can devote like my full attention to Mm -hmm. it, you know? And totally. And so Time just goes on and I never Nothing gets done. Do it because, yeah, mm-hmm. I by the time I do have a good chunk of time, I'm like too tired or I have something else <laughs> that I need to do. Whereas if I just worked on it like little by little, I would probably be a lot more productive. But yeah, I'm like, oh, well, I if I if I start that now, I won't be able to finish mm-hmm. it or like and I do think that's valid because I don't know, I do kind of have a hard time working on things little by little, but at the same time, I don't know. I I think that's like a facet of perfectionism that um, kind of drags me down. Yeah, it's kind of like the book we read, um, How to Keep House While Drowning, the chapter about laundry, I feel like, really like kind of highlighted that, how when you have literally like an island of laundry – no one usually has like five hours to devote to like completely tackling it from start to finish, but you just have to like chip away at it and have like a really simple way to just work at it little by little. But I'd get in that mindset too of like, oh, like right now. Okay. So I'm sitting in uh, me and Dave's room and we have this table that we're using as a desk And I moved all of like our office stuff from the attic to our room. And I have like a filing cabinet and I have plans to like, you know how office things are just like 
so annoying to organize. It's like the odds and ends. There's like, Mm -hmm. and I say office things, I really mean like user manuals, batteries, cords, envelopes. Everything that you jam into the office. (laughs) Exactly. It's a random mishmash. And um, I have it literally in like cardboard boxes and laundry baskets. And it's been sitting here for probably like two months at this point. (laughs) Like, and I just keep being like, one of these days, I'm just going to like reorganize this like from top to bottom. I have images of like wall organizers for papers. And like, I got this filing cabinet on like the free hand-me-down site to like finally create files of my kids' artwork. And I'm just like, have this big dream, but like none of it is getting done at all. And so all we're doing is digging batteries and envelopes out of like a diaper box full of random stuff because I'm like, I just feel so like if I can't do, create this amazing new organizational system, then like it just needs to stay in the box, but it's just not working, you know? Um, I do feel the same way with household chores where it's like, I got to have time to research it and do it perfectly. And it's like, okay, well, it's just never going to get done then. And then we're going to move and it's just going to be sad, you know? So. Yes. Mm -hmm. That affects me too. And I also just feel like perfectionism just holds me back in that I don't enjoy as many things as I probably could, like how I was talking about with hobbies or I don't know, just like various things that I feel like I need to be really good at. Or sometimes it also like, like you were saying, Claire, I never want to let people down. And sometimes I feel like I just need to be perfectly cheerful all the time and I actually think that probably holds me back sometimes from like connecting with people you know like sometimes people probably Mm -hmm. need a friend who also struggles and I struggle to show people that I'm struggling because I just feel like I don't want to burden anybody and you know I need to be just like just cheerful and sunny. That's that's what the perfect version of me is. And so I sometimes it also holds me back from being like open with people. Is that too dark? No, no we're getting <laughs> real I know we're <laughs> none of it has been dark. Well Claire Claire asked me if I would share the story of my college experience. So I feel like if you she wanted to share not, everything like, you don't have to share it all dark. Of it. <laughs> she said all she said it all serious. Like would you <laughs> Consider. I just consider was like, sharing. are you going to share, you know, your experience tomorrow? <laughs> oh like, gosh. I was really, it sounded really dramatic. You don't have to tell like, everything. Sure. It sounded so dramatic. I'm making it it's sound worse by being like, you don't have to tell it all. You don't have to tell like, didn't everything, do very well. <laughs> didn't do very well in college. Um, <laughs> so I, I never like saying that I'm a perfectionist or I have trouble with like perfectionism because I think it sets people's expectations to expect a different thing there's from a stereotype what of per- yeah. what a perfectionist seems like for sure yeah yeah so i usually say i have like sort of a like a problem with like all or nothing mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. i have an all or nothing personality which maybe more accurately describes what happens which is like if i am going to do something i am going to do it so perfectly which i guess is perfectionism <laughs> but like I want to do it exactly right. And if I miss a step or I miss a day, it just derails everything. And so that would happen in college where like I would start in the first couple of weeks, I would take 
really good notes. I'd be in every class. I'd do the reading beforehand. I'd have my homework like ready to go. And then if I missed, like if one day I didn't get my homework done or I didn't, I missed a class or, you know, anything happened, like I missed the reading beforehand, it would just completely derail me to the point where like, it took me so long to finish college. I had such a hard time with it. And I do feel like I I grew a lot from that in some ways, at least in being able to acknowledge that like, I have a problem with that. But the like, my ultimate problem is I haven't fully gotten that much better. And it the thing is, it doesn't really feel like it's externally motivated. Like it's not that I need people to perceive me as being good at school mm-hmm. or, you know, like that's not, I don't feel like that's really where it's coming from because I'm so bad at so many things and I don't really mind laughing about it. I don't know. But like, I guess I just have this feeling of like, if I'm going to do it. Is it like if anything's worth doing, it's worth doing well? Like that saying kind of? Well, no, because I don't even believe that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it's like (laughs) internally, like I just won't. I think it's just, I think I have a hard time seeing little things as building up Mm -hmm, to a big thing. Like, yeah, for sure. I'm like, well, if you eat like two vegetables a week, what's that really going to do for you? And I don't really like eating those vegetables, so I might as well just eat none, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> totally. Or else I'm going to yeah. be, like, healthy. Yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of agree because this is going to be sound bad, but I'm just going to come clean. When you hear people say, like, you know, put on your workout shoes and do one push-up. That's all you have to do, just one. I'm like, what's the point? Like, yeah. <laughs> and I know the uh-huh, principle, yeah, the, yeah. like the little mini habits and, and like, I know that works for some people. That's my brain's the same way. I'm just like, well, then I'm just not going to bother I'm like, well, because uh, I'm like, that's not really going to do anything. <laughs> so know. the point I think the is you're going to try to like, you're trying to like trick to yourself trick into yeah. if I do one push up, I'll just keep going. But I'm, you're like, <laughs> my brain overrides by that. myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm too smart to be tricked. <laughs> I see what you're trying to do. I've outwitted this. So <laughs> I like I I have a trouble with seeing little things as getting big results. Mm-hmm. And so like I just if it's something that is daunting, I'm not gonna do like a little bit of it because mm-hmm. it's not gonna get it done. Yeah. Totally. But it, that's false, you know, because it's like especially with household chores, it's easy to it's easier to see with that. Like Doing one load of dishes may not get your kitchen clean, but it will get you enough dishes to eat for the next, mm-hmm. like, couple days. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not like it's, you know, nothing. But, yeah, I don't know. And, like, doing some school, you'll at least pass your classes versus, like, failing them. But I don't know. Yeah. It's so easy to shut down. Like, yeah. When, yeah. Things get overwhelming when you have that kind of mindset because I, I have it. I have that a little bit, too. We were just uh, discussing this, but yeah, I think, I think I understand a little bit of where you're coming from, Grace, because it's just, it's easy to, to shut down when you feel like you can't do something a hundred percent. But then something we were reading that really stuck with me was um, a lot of things talked about the law of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. And that concept was, I mean, I know the concept of. Do you want me to read it? Like the definition? Okay. So the definition of the law of diminishing returns, and this is just, I uh, Googled this. 
Um, so it's one of the little ants. I'm like, I don't know who to attribute it to because it's one of the little answers on Google. And I just took a screenshot. So I have no idea who to attribute this to. I mean, it's just a de- it's just Google, Exactly. <laughs> um, the law of diminishing returns is an economic principle stating that as investment in a particular area increases, the rate of profit from that investment after a certain point cannot continue to increase if other variables remain at a constant. So basically at a certain point, the amount you're putting into something is not like – uh, equal to what you're going to get in return. And it's like wasting your effort at a certain point. And so that is something that gets brought up a lot in terms of perfectionism is like, for example, on like a school essay, like if you're spending, you know, hours and hours on like fine tuning, you know, every letter of like this 10 page paper at a certain point, like your time is so much better spent doing something else because it's not going to like benefit the finished product that much in the end, you know, after a certain point. So um, do you guys, have you seen this like in areas of your own lives? Do you feel like? Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of like an example for myself. I can't think of anything. I think with any, again, with like house stuff. So if you think about cleaning the kitchen, you could get your whole kitchen perfectly, like spotlessly clean and get under the oven and, you know, soak the burners and do all the things like, and you could spend hours and hours on that. Or you could do all the dishes, wipe down the counters and then do like two loads of laundry. Mm-hmm. And overall, your quality of life is going to be so much better than if you spent hours and hours on the kitchen mm-hmm. and you've done the same amount of work and your house will look it pays off more and it looks more like people can't see the tiny little things that you do which i think is another difficult part Mm -hmm. of perfectionism for some people is that like you spent so much time and it doesn't look or feel any better than it did like six hours Mm -hmm. ago (laughs) it's so true yeah i actually was thinking that today (laughs) i enjoy like cooking so much more. I know I harp a lot about my laundry issues on here. Everyone's tired of hearing about it, but like I really do struggle. And we were trying to get the girls out the door to dance. And Dave was like, he was like, okay, go get like your shorts on. And I was like, they have no shorts. <laughs> There's nothing in their drawers. <laughs> it's like, I have to go dig them out of the clean clothes downstairs. Um, and I was thinking that. I was like, maybe if I spent less time trying to have like the perfect meal plan and like making things from scratch and just like folded a load of laundry a day. Like that would be a better (laughs) use of my time. It's just hard when there's things that you do feel like you maybe do get a little more praise for, or you kind of pride yourself on a little bit. And so that's kind of like, oh, I want to spend time on this, you know, and it's like less glamorous to spend time on other things that you wouldn't be getting as much praise on, or you don't isn't quite mm-hmm. as gratifying to you personally, you know, but it's like harming your quality of life to not like <laughs> give it some attention. Yeah. Grace, you mentioned like that there are certain things that I want to be like known for <laughs> that are actually th- all things that I'm really not very good at. The things <laughs> that I'm good at are the things that I don't want to be known, you know, like, mm-hmm. and um, so I feel like one of those things is like, for a long time, I really wanted to have, like, one type of exercise that I was, like, really good at because I just feel like people who are, like, really good at 
you know, they're really good at weight, like they're super strong or they're really fast runners or really long distance runners. I don't know. It's very, you know, like that's mm-hmm. another thing that's very lauded and like people mm-hmm. know. If you're mm-hmm. fit, people It's like running know. that much is bad for you, but <laughs> yeah. it's really it's in, admirable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's exactly. It's like, wow, I can't believe like, and and it is cool, but like not everybody has to have that and I just in my head was like I gotta find something that I like something that will make me so impressive and fit but I have like come to accept that I have asthma and I'm not gonna be (laughs) the best runner (laughs) I'm not even gonna be a good runner (laughs) like I am not even at like a level of average I am like so below average and I just have, like, realized, like, that's something where I have diminishing returns because the more effort I put into it, the, like, angrier I become <laughs> that mm-hmm. I'm not getting that much better or faster. And so it's, like, recently I've just been, like, okay, I think exercise can just be, like, a task on my list of to-dos and it doesn't need to be, like, a defining trait of my- yeah. Yeah, we haven't even touched on exercise in this episode, but I feel like exercise is an area that, like, perfectionism can really rear its head. Mm-hmm. Well, like mm-hmm. I just said, I, I'm i toxic, too, because I was like, there's no point in one push-up. Why yeah. bother? You know, but, <laughs> like, I totally I, – I do – I am actually proud of myself because I feel like I've improved on this a lot. Well, proud, but not proud because I exercise less than ever before, so I guess <laughs> that's not a success story, but – Like, I totally used to feel like if I did not work out that day, like, the day was a failure, pretty much. Like, I, it was Mm -hmm. so all or nothing. And it couldn't just be, like, a walk on the treadmill. It had to be, like, an intense, like, hour-long workout. You know, that was, like, all that counted. And, um... Those workouts were very, were famously intense. (laughs) I don't know if they're that intense, but, but I do agree with you. I actually think at a certain point, like... I don't really feel like it was making me like that much more fit or stronger or faster. It was more just Mm -hmm. like this mental thing that I had that like, oh, I have to do this or like the day is a failure, you know? And I really do feel like um, 12, 330 has like healed me in some ways. (laughs) Like seriously, because I'm like, I feel good like doing a walking workout on the treadmill and I feel like I get my workout, I'm sweaty, I feel good after, but like that's like enough for me. Whereas there was a time in life when like that would not have, yeah, I did identify a lot as like, oh, I'm someone that works out every day. And there's part of me that kind of misses that, but there's also part of me that's like okay with that not being, like I'm kind of like, I don't want that to be like my defining feature because it was a lot of pressure to like keep that up, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, I do feel like exercise is an area where like perfectionism is – really prevalent. So to prep for this episode, we read an article in the Washington Post and the title is Advice. Perfectionists, lowering your standards can improve your mental health. And um, one thing that we did want to emphasize before we like wrap up is that, and like everything we read about this emphasized that perfectionism does not mean that you have to have like low standards that you can't want to improve yourself. It doesn't mean that like you shouldn't try. It's just about 
being realistic and and more of like an internal motivation as opposed to like an external motivation. Um, and so this article talks about being an excellencist <laughs> instead of a perfectionist, which is kind of a mouthful. Um, but one thing was in- that we thought was interesting was this quote, and it said, that's why whether it's writing a story or doing something that's perhaps a bit more boring, such as proofreading, perfectionists counterintuitively tune out or turn out lower quality work than they're actually capable of doing. Perfectionists take longer than non-perfectionists on repetitive or boring tasks, create more inaccuracies, and work less efficiently. An obsession with flawlessness affects scientists in much the same way. Highly perfectionistic scientists create lower quality, less creative, and fewer published papers. So I thought that was interesting. And the quote, um, good, or no, perfect is the enemy of good. Have you guys heard that before? Mm -hmm. And I think it's... um, attributed to Voltaire. Am I saying that like correctly? His name? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if he, I think his, it's like translated as that. So I don't know if that's like perfectly accurate, but I always see him quoted as saying that, but I feel like that is that summed up. I mean, getting to perfect or getting to really, I guess getting to excellence is a matter of volume and time. Mm -hmm. Doing something a bunch or turning out a bunch of papers or whatever it is. Mm one of them's bound to be something. Yeah, And exactly. perfectionism is like what cripples you from starting. Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like the 10,000 hours principle. Is that what it is? 10,000 hours? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. that Malcolm Gladwell uh-huh. thing. I'm making yep. up the number. But yeah, you're right. It's like practicing something over and over, which you're not going to do if you're crippled by like fear of like making a mistake on, you know, one paper or one musical piece or whatever it is that well, you're the doing. Fear- the fear of not ever getting to perfection, mm-hmm. I think, for some like, – Yeah, like putting – I don't mind messing up along in. the way, but yeah, putting in all the <laughs> yeah. time and then being like, I never got anywhere mm-hmm. is yeah. sort of like my fear, I think. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why – that's a, at least I've been doing a lot of research about adult instrument learners. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I am so scared of that, Grace. I'm the same way, but – they think that um, that part of the reason why kids progress so fast, part of it is, you know, their little flexible brains. But a big part is also that they have no clue whether they're good or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, like, mm-hmm. have no idea if what they're doing is good. They're just kind of fiddling around and they're, they think they're good. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they have a lot of, like, overconfidence a lot of the time. And so that's part of what you know carries them to becoming great is that they the along the way they think that everything they're doing is like fun and great that is interesting because we've always thought it's like their brains are more malleable but i do think the confidence is a huge factor now that you say that because they are kids are so fun to be around because they are so incredibly confident for like no reason (laughs) and it's like Uh but it's so endearing and it's so inspiring too you know like i wish like i never want my kids to like lose that and i know they will at some point but it does it like allows them to just be so like um like unfiltered and unguarded in a way that I think adults like, it's hard mm-hmm. to re- like regain that. Mm-hmm. So back to the concept of being an excellencist. The article talks about three steps that you can take towards, you know, losing the perfectionism and 
striving uh, towards excellencism, if I said that right. So the first one is to pick an upcoming activity that you tend to get perfectionistic about. Then you make a list of what perfect looks like to you. And then the third um, step is to pick something from your list that you'll allow to be less than perfect. And you observe how you feel after the activity and ask yourself, how did you feel and how did others feel? So in the article, they talked about hosting, um, like hosting people at your house. But I was curious if you guys had any ideas of like a scenario that you would want to do that with. I thought about like a time that I tend to get a little bit uptight and like, I don't know, perfectionisty is like when I'm doing like a social engagement, especially with someone I don't know very well, like someone new, and I'm trying to control like everything about like myself and my family and like the environment. (laughs) And it's just, I was actually like, that would be a really good thing to practice this on. Like, Maybe my kids don't have shoes or their hair isn't brushed or they, you know, call someone stupid or, you know, like there's a million things that I could be like, oh my gosh, like, and trying to cover that up or make sure that doesn't happen and just be like, I'm just going to let that go because that's us. And if they like it, if they like us, then they'll just have to accept that about (laughs) us, you know, really. I was thinking like social things that I could just kind of like relax on a little bit, but what do you guys yeah. think you're going to try it on? I was thinking about like Saturdays because I, like I said, I think I have a harder time with like trying to have my routines be perfect. Mm-hmm. So one thing that is hard for me is if I if I think like, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm not, I won't say what time because it already would be sleeping in for most people, but I'm going to get up at this time and do whatever and then go out and do something fun. And Like I have this timeline and then if I sleep in later than what I thought, then I'm like, oh, the whole day is shot mm-hmm. and I just don't do anything. So maybe I could practice setting a schedule and missing a chunk of the time and then just still doing some of the things. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, that's a great idea. That is a good idea. I think I'm going to try it with working out because I made like a chart for me and Matt because we both want to work out more and i was like okay if we work out three times a week then we get a monetary reward wow i want to be in that deal but (laughs) well yeah and it hasn't worked at all like and i think it's because you have to work out three times to get the reward so if you once you realize like you're not going to be able to work out three times Mm -hmm. that week you just don't try at all. Mm-hmm. So instead of working out like two times a week, we're just not working out any times. So I think I'm just going to have to get rid of that chart and hopefully <laughs> that will fix things. Maybe every time you work out, you get a smaller financial reward or something. That's a good idea. Yeah. You just get like a third of the reward. Yeah. yeah. I have been beating instruments over the head, I feel like, in this episode, but I kept thinking about the piano when I was reading the articles that we read for this episode, and I was like, I gotta I gotta go back to piano and heal my relationship with it because I get so mad and frustrated when I practice, and so I'm gonna try to just 
let some of my errors, especially my sight reading errors, go and just actually have fun playing the piano for like once in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Those are great. Okay, so to close, we will leave you with a quote from one of our favorite high school teachers, Mr. Van Arsdale. He said, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. We still aren't sure what it means, but maybe it'll speak to someone out there. Let's finish the show with Weekly Wins. What? Do you guys remember him saying that? No, I've heard that from other sources. Yeah, I know. And I also know what it means. (laughs) Well, I just, I know the general idea is that like, don't expect perfection from yourself or it's worth just trying something, right? Isn't that kind of what it means? But like. It doesn't, it's not really worth, I guess it's just, it's worth like trying and failing. Is that the point? Yeah. I think it's saying like, if your only reason for doing it is to achieve some specific end result, there's so many things out there worth doing that are worth it for just the inherent thing. That's true. I guess when he was telling it to me, as far as like my grades, I was like, yeah, but these projects are literally only worth the grade to me. But now as an adult, I see the error of that. But as a 14-year-old. Yeah, he probably was trying to help (laughs) me. I literally was like, no, you don't understand. I do not care about biology. I only want the A. (laughs) Like, I'm not, it's not computing for me. It Um, is something that like a... (laughs) In our education system, doesn't exactly as <laughs> me. No one's a, going a cog to in the to machine. Learn. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll transition to weekly wins. So I, I actually was trying to think of something a little lighter because I feel like this is kind of a heavier episode, heavy for us. Um, I'm already thinking of things I'm going to have Grace edit out that I what? said <laughs> that were too vulnerable. But okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Perfectionism um, right there. So we had a sweet listener, Meg. Um, DM us a um, an Instagram post about a podcast, and the podcast is called Wilder, and it's about Laura Ingalls Wilder and like her history and like the impact of you know the Little House on the Prairie books, but also some of like the controversy tied to them. And she said this podcast has Claire's name all over it. <laughs> I was like, I'm so like honored that she thought of us and me especially. Um, so it just debuted this last week. And for one thing, the host's name is Glynis McNichol, which is like the best name I've ever wow. heard in my entire life. Glynis McNichol. Glynis McNichol. I was That's like, am- isn't that amazing? I wish, I wish that were my name. I know, me too. Yeah. Um, so I was hesitant. I just – I've only listened to the first episode. That's all that's been released. It's unfortunately like a weekly – I'm like, I want to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> but, you know, I'll have to be patient. Um, so it's weekly installments, but – I was a little hesitant because I was like, I don't know if I have like the mental bandwidth to have to do like a a moral reckoning of like the Little House on the Prairie books right now. I'm not saying it shouldn't <laughs> be done, but I don't know if I'm like there emotionally. We're actually reading them. I've mentioned a few episodes ago with the girls right now. And it definitely is more eye-opening reading them as an adult, the way indigenous people are talked about and just the reality of like, the Ingles were literally settling land that did not belong to them. You know, like you kind of are like, oh, it kind of hits a little different as an adult. But I feel like this podcast, the so Glynis is like a mega fan of the books and she is like doing this as a fan who like these books totally like shaped her as a kid. So I don't feel like she's wanting to like tear them apart, but more just like look about more about, you know, 
kind of the context for them and the effect they've had. And and I'm like excited to read, to listen to more. So I haven't listened to the whole thing, so I can't like wholeheartedly recommend the whole thing so far, but it is interesting. And if you're like me and like you have a like a fond attachment for Little House on the Prairie, which people do. I'm not the only one. Like, well, they, I'm just like <laughs> no one's disputing. I'm like, I'm like, listen. I know they're problematic, but it's not just me that like. <laughs> there are dozens of us. <laughs> There's, no, but like, it's so interesting. There's also I won't I won't bore you. Just listen to it. I there's all kinds of interesting facts in the first episode that I thought were cool. So, anyway. Uh, that was a fun listen. And thank you, Meg, for thinking of me and like sending that to me because it's it was fun to listen to. Well, my weekly win is something exciting that happened to me. You might remember my hack for getting free true lemon packs. <laughs> I do remember your hack. <laughs> I mean, your scam. And what? I, well, accidentally. So much time, so much time has passed that. You assumed it would just I work now. I assumed the bug had been fixed. Yeah. Or maybe it was a different seller because, like, Walmart has different, you know, third-party sellers. So I was like, okay, I, I keep, like, running out and ordering more, and this is an addiction that is not going away anytime soon. So I was <laughs> like, I'll just buy, like, three. <laughs> I bought three lemon and three lime. And what happened? They sent me... Six lemon, no lime. So it was the same thing again, where like I tried to order lime, they sent me lemon, and I went on and I said, you know, I started a return, and it was like, okay, like how would you like to send back your return? And I picked like USPS, you know, so it looked like it was going to have me send them back. Well, I went on today to like print out the label and it said refund issued, and it turns out they just refunded all three of the boxes. So now I have 600 true lemon packets. I can't believe this happened again. And I got 300 oh of them gosh. for free. No wonder you gave me some when you came to visit. You're like, do you want to try? The- I brought some for you to try. You have them. I'm, You're like, I'm up so to generous. And <laughs> up to my hey, at that point, I was on my last box wow that was very generous. kind of you and you didn't know that this new like it yeah. sounds like gold you did everything right you know mm-hmm. like you yeah you intended yeah you I bought really, three of each which sounds like you fully intended to receive three of each yeah and if they had a, an option for like return it to the store i probably would have selected that i really was not trying to get these for free <laughs> um, i can't believe they still haven't fixed that i know at this point i'm kind of like okay well they they deserve it. So uh-huh. I don't feel bad. Um, well, I also have uh, an addiction um, <laughs> win, which is that finally I found in stores Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream Zero Whoa, Sugar. Whoa, where'd you find oh. it? At it Mark's. <gasps> Mark strikes it's again. so good. Wow. It is so good. It's the best thing I've – It's I, I like it better than any drink I've ever had in my whole life. That might be an exaggeration, but it's really, really good. Okay, Matt, he likes the cream soda. The cream soda one, and he doesn't like the strawberries and cream. Weird, because I like the cream soda, but I like the strawberries and cream like 50 times more. Wow. It's so good, I think. Does it taste like swig? Um, it tastes like strawberries and cream instant oatmeal, <gasps> but but soda. Well, mine is 
just a, I guess it's a a little win in a big win. Mini winny in a biggie win. win. (laughs) 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 The mini win is that I got to go to Trader Joe's for the first time in a long time this weekend because I was in St. Louis. That's a big win because we were there uh, helping some family move move into their new house and it was very exciting and fun but i got the patio potato chips have you guys gotten those yet from no i'm dying to try them they're so i they're just so fun they're like what are they basically every chip tastes like dill to me (laughs) like (laughs) the dill is very they're they're a mix from trader joe's and they have barbecue ketchup dill and salt and vinegar chips all mixed into one bag. And so every chip has like a little bit of all those flavors on it, but then like one of the flavors will come through like stronger because, you know, it's actually flavored with that. And anyway, it's just, they're just a lot of fun. (laughs) I also got myself some sour swimmers and yeah, I got, I got just tons of like little fun things for myself. I, I didn't go with any, like, intentions of buying anything practical, but it's just so much fun. Trader Joe's, if you live near a Trader Joe's, don't take it for granted, <laughs> all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. It's true. Treasure it. Bad mm-hmm. parking lot and all. Okay, I think that wraps it up for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our show and visit our website, hopculturepod.com. We'll also be popping up on Instagram throughout the week, so follow Hop Culture Pod for more fun. See you next week.